Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. This is Mark Kastner. I am once again joined by Jeremiah O'Shan from across the table. Hey there. Hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going okay. Uh, it looks like we just got word that there will be no suspensions coming out of the Sounders game, which I'm a little surprised by. That is surprising. It's no suspensions for anybody? Not for anybody. There's a lot of fines that were thrown around, but it doesn't look like any suspensions. And no fine, no fine or any... I'm just, like, kind of amazed that the... That the I guess I shouldn't be, but... You shouldn't expect the disciplinary committee to be meeting out uh, punishments. Like, that just seems like a bad idea to expect something. But somehow I really thought... When I saw the... Brian Fernandez challenge again, although I was amazed that it wasn't a red card live. But, yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, that, that was a really uh, terrible challenge. It was a terrible challenge. It was a very bad challenge. Yeah, and I mean, like, if Zlatan's going to get off, I guess that sets the precedent. <laughs> right. If you can literally break a guy's eyeball. Yeah. And he has to have surgery and he's out for the rest of the season or whatever, then... Yeah, there's no justice. If that's if that's what we're looking for, there's no justice. Yeah. Um, I didn't really intend to have a whole lot of conversation about um, that the Portland Timbers versus Seattle game. Fair enough. It just wasn't... It's was like a week ago, and... It was a few days ago. Yeah. It just wasn't very fun. It was not fun, I agree. Uh, it was very frustrating. And I feel like at this point, by the time people are listening to this podcast, um, they'll have kind of ex- explored all those emotions. Sure. Not. Let's do what you want to do, Mark. I am the host. <laughs> You're the host. You have a, you have a other podcast that you host. I do, and I can talk about those things there. Yeah. Um, which, congratulations on 300 episodes. Oh, thank you. That was last week. That was. That was, la- that was last week, wasn't it? Jeez. Yeah. Um. Some housekeeping items that we need to get out of the way before we can delve into the juicy topic of Seattle Sounders is um, we we live in a modern podcast economy and uh, there's a relationship between us as podcasters and our listeners, all, all tens of them that listen to this podcast. Hundreds, come on. There's hundreds of them. There's hundreds of people that download the podcast, but I'm not, I'm not kidding myself. You're skeptical that there's more than... Dozens that are actually listening. I I don't listen to all the podcasts I download. So fair enough, um, or that I'm subscribed to. But anyways, um, to you listener, it is vi- as you've probably heard other podcasts hosts say on the other podcasts you listen to. Uh, we really need you to uh, rate the podcast in iTunes or uh, you can't rate on Spotify. I don't think. Uh, but basically. If you can subscribe and like and rate on whatever podcast platform you uh, listen to this podcast on, that would be really great. Um, We've gone several episodes, and I've not mentioned that. I'm planning on not mentioning it again in several episodes. So We have 16 ratings so far. I thought I'd share that. That's great. Let's let's get more ratings. Yeah. Um, Are they all positive? No, we got one that... Talked about the recording quality is so poor and surprising for such a high standard alert that you can't even get nice. to the content. But most of them are. That's that's a. Uh, yeah. Well, you can't please everybody. He would like us to actually stop recording. And, that's not going to happen. And, and <laughs> figure it out like offline, which that seems harsh. Yeah. Um, but that's my. You know, we're we are kind of working it out. But the only way we're going to get better is by recording. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. So. Wow, that kind of puts me in a sour mood. Um, <laughs> but then again, that person's probably not listening now, so that's great. Um, yeah, I got that out of the way. Yeah. Okay, so uh, there's that. Uh, powers that be made me say that. I don't like saying stuff like that because I don't powers like... Powers that be. I don't like... Uh, Damn powers. <laughs> the man is, is forcing me to do that. Yeah, it's rough. Um. Anyways, the the Seattle Sounders are in kind of an interesting spot right now. Um, we're not going to go too much into the game that they previously played. We will talk about the game upcoming this weekend against the Houston Dynamo in lovely Houston, Texas. All 100 million degrees that it will be. But 
I want to have a bit of a, a more abstract conversation before we delve into the specifics of that game. And uh, for about another week and a half or so, maybe two weeks, the transfer window is open. And the Sounders presumably can sign a designated player. Maybe they can sign another type of player. There's no presume. I mean, they, they've said they can sign a... Yeah, they, going off of Garth Lagerwey, Seattle Sounders GM, he says that there is the, the ability yes. to sign a DP. And it seems like, like always, <laughs> uh, two camps have formed around this debate, and I kind of want to flesh out that. So basically, there's an idea that uh, there's a there's an idea that the Sounders should sign an attacking player, mm-hmm. you know, presumably one that plays on either flank, yeah. you know, left or right mid. Or, and I suppose ideally could also play as a forward, I suppose. Yeah. So there's, there's that theory that's yeah. that's come up in within uh, our listeners and our readers. Another theory is a an Oswaldo Alonso type replacement more of a pure defensive midfielder that can free up other players to do other things. Mm -hmm. So I will ask you in one sentence or less, what do you want to see the Sounders sign? You know, I, I, I was for a long time of the mind that I thought the Sounders should focus on signing the long-term solution as a defensive midfielder because the summer window makes the most sense to try to find any sort of long-term solution. But with Victor Rodriguez's injury that doesn't seem to be reliable, like he might get, he might be available this week. I don't know. Maybe he'll be available for the rest of the season. But I think the big problem with him is that I lost all faith that he can stay healthy and that he can be relied upon for a, the most for the most important game of the season. I don't believe that I can, like I don't I don't just know that he's going to be there. And I suppose there's any any player could fall into that category. I suppose, but. Rodriguez's injury history now is at the point where you just have to start until he's proven otherwise. I think you have to assume that he he's not going to be able to stay healthy for an extended period of time, and that that immediate need I think is so apparent. Not in the week to week. I think mm-hmm. Harry Ship has actually done a pretty good job of. Other people disagree with you. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think most of those people are watching the game very closely, but sure. Uh, Harry Ship has has I think done a very good job of week to week performing at a level that allows the Sounders to maintain a high level of, of performance. And I think Joven Jones can offer you some of some other things. He can offer you a little bit more speed down that flank. But I, I'm not convinced that either one of those players are the player that you need to feel confident going on the road against LAFC. And I think that's ultimately where you have to put your target right now. Is like, yeah. How do you win a game at LAFC? Because by chances are the Sounders are going to have to do that in order to get to MLS Cup. Yeah, and that's how that's how we've sort of decided what success is for this season, is that... I mean, whether or not success... Yeah. I mean, I think you can call it a successful season without Sh- winning sure. MLS Cup, yeah. but I don't think... But I think your goal should always be to win MLS Cup, and the only way they're going to do that is, I think, going to be able to win in LA, and right now I don't think they have the personnel to feel confident now could they pull a game out absolutely there's right. nothing lots of crazy things happen in one-off games but if you're asking me what's going to make me the most confident it's upgrading at the attacking midfield spot and bringing in someone who maybe isn't even the long-term solution but someone who for the next year or two can perform at a victor rodriguez or better level yeah I think that there's a lot of... That was of, more than one sentence. Sure was, but it was... I think the sentence, though, was, I would like an outside midfielder. Yeah. It was... There were there were a lot of really good sentences in there, so I just sort yeah, of let you keep, keep going. I'll go work on that. Because you took the conversation to a place that I wanted it to go to anyways. Um, I think there's a lot of validity in that argument. I don't think I necessarily even disagree with that point of view. Um but I would like the Sounders to uh, not change course. I think that um, all indication 
has sort of pointed towards them looking for that type of player. And I don't think, um, I don't think losing to Portland, I don't think having that rough stretch in June, I don't think anything has happened this season that I would like that has convinced me that the Sounders should um, change the course of direction that they've said that they're on, which I think is, um, I think that standard or that level that I think the Sounders hold themselves to is an MLS Cup caliber team. I definitely still think they are. Um, And I think signing that defensive midfielder allows you to do some things with the roster, um, specifically... I mean, the elephant in the room really is Victor Rodriguez's health. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that is causing people to wonder, should they sign a winger or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll add that I think that the one other variable that has come up is the emergence of Danny Leva. Now, I don't think that we sure. know that Danny Leva is a 6. We don't know that he's an 8. Heck, he might be a 10. We don't really know what Danny Leva's potential is. He's still 16 years old. He's got a lot of soccer ahead of him. He's got a lot of growing ahead of him. But I think what that is, I think that is just another variable that's caused the Sounders maybe to rethink bringing in a central midfielder who is going to be primarily defensive because then you end up with Leva, Roldan, and this player all presumably playing for two spots. So I have a little bit of a backdoor idea okay to solve i'm listening two two problems at once okay okay and i don't think this is big this is big reveal (laughs) yeah i don't think anybody involved in this solution is going to be particularly thrilled with it but Uh, this is what happens here we go so if i'm garth lagerway if i'm brian smetzer i'm signing this defensive midfielder fella Mm -hmm. perfect Presumably, he's, let's say, 24 or 25 years old. Yep. Um, he is good. <laughs> Presumably. Yeah. yeah. And while I'm signing this guy, I am talking with Christian Roldan, and yeah. I'm saying, need you to do one more half season at right or left mid. Okay. I need. We can't trust Victor. Um, he's going to be gone in the winter. Uh, you know, Gustav doesn't have a whole lot of time uh, left in his uh, Sounders tenure. Sounders tenure just sort of, you know, he's in the somewhat the beginning of the twilight of his career. Yeah, um, I think he's good enough to play for a w- a lot longer. But even he has some uh, interesting injury situation it's come up from time to time, and even he's indicated that he doesn't want to be here forever. So. I'm sitting down with Christian Roldan and I'm asking him, can you do can you do one more three or four month stint at, so at wide is, midfield? Is this player then someone who sits deeper? So then okay, so you get through this year, you bring in this defensive midfielder type. Is this someone who is sitting ultimately so presumably he'd be paired with Svensson in the short term? Sure. But long term, he'd be spent. He'd be paired with Roldan, presumably. Yeah. And where is he a more advanced? Do you feel like this is a more advanced player than Roldan, or is this a player who's in like really a a, a, a job share situation where that's a double pivot, or is this someone who really sits in front of the center backs? So, I think that. So if I'm so if I'm looking at long term here. I don't think that the Sounders need the type of player that sits in front of the center backs like Gustav Svensson does. Mm-hmm. Presuming that Ariaga and Kim is the is the pair for the next two or three seasons because they're both good ball handling. I think that they're backs. I think that they're both good ball handling center backs, and they're both athletic enough that that ground it get, it's crowded and it doesn't need to be covered as um, as much as, like, with a Gustav Smith and that just sort of sits there and, you know, uh, sprays the ball out from there. And I think that right now, or sort of an issue that has come up this season, you know, maybe even dates back into the previous season, 
Um, Brian Smetzer is the type of coach that really values possession in the middle of the park. And something that Oswaldo Alonso was very good at is just turning the ball, you know, not yeah. turning the ball over, I mean, yeah. but like kind of keeping Dribbling the trains. pressure, yeah. pushing the ball forward. Yeah, like we don't have a player that can break the break the press from the middle of the park without basically I'm going to even just say I don't think anybody maybe Christian Roldan can but I want I don't want Oswald Alonso obviously I don't even necessarily want that type of defensive midfielder but I think what you can get is a player um, that is capable like basically the designated player version of Christian Roldan is that can cover because Christian Roldan can sit deep. He did against uh, San Jose in the second half of the two, two draw and um, maybe put, put together one of the best halves of his season. I thought Um, he can play Christian Roldan can play further forward. Uh, He's played 10. He's played the 10. He sort of plays the eight now. So I'm basically looking for a better version of Christian Roldan. And I don't think that that's necessarily too much to ask for, considering the types of players that have come up in this, uh, like that uh, that guy from Italy, uh, what is it, Chris, Christopher, that the guy the, from um, Florentina that we were linked to. Oh, yeah, I don't remember the player's name. Yeah, the I Uruguayan midfielder. Yeah. They're they're. There is an abundance of that type of player on the market that I don't think is necessarily unattainable for the Sounders. And I think that... I mean, especially if you're talking about spending four, five... Six million. Uh, six. Yeah. If, you're talking about, if you're talking about spending Nico Ladero or Raul Ruiz Diaz money, you can find that player. And you would presume that that player would be an upgrade. I mean, right now... Uh, but there's there's risk involved in that as well. I mean, of course. LAFC signed... Andre Horta with that assumption as well, and yeah, and but then they also have, well. but although the, that turned out to be yeah exactly the player they thought they were getting when they yeah, were spending absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I guess the other question I have along with your plan is where do you think this leaves Danny Leva, so, and how much of a con- is that a concern at all? I don't think it's a concern. I think I think the concern lies around actually what you're going to do with Jordy Delam rather than Danny Leva. Um, because you sign this guy, you know, Delem is 26, 27. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Jordy, I mean, Jordy Delem, you could have around as a squad player. So, well, I think from a Jordy Delem perspective, you just got your green card. Um, you're on the relatively low end of the salary spectrum in MLS. I think at the end of this season, if this type of player does come in and you're Jordy Delem, you're thinking, Maybe I want to go somewhere else to get some Yeah, I mean, although that's, yeah. I mean, I would agree that, but if you're talking about, I don't know, I'm not so worried about Jordi Jalem because I don't think his ceiling is right international quality. Whereas Danny Leva, you know, who know, we don't know, and I don't want to, like, I, but I think his ceiling is an international quality player. Yeah. And so you, I think the, the, the opportunity that you're missing out on, I, potentially, is that, uh, that this is that he's blocked and that you don't have minutes for him at the MLS level and he's playing like you don't want I don't I don't know that Danny Leva is best served by spending 2000 getting 2000 minutes at the to defiance I don't necessarily see it as uh, as that stark of a um, proposition yeah I, I don't think um, like I mean Alex Rodon's almost played 700 minutes in MLS this year. You have Jordi Dillem, who is just north of 600 minutes, I think. So there's 1,300 minutes right there. that, And those have happened at different positions on the field, all positions which I think Danny Leva can play pretty comfortably. So I'm not necessarily thinking bringing in this player, especially in the short term. Maybe in the short term, Danny Leva doesn't start another game for the Sounders for the right. rest of the year, which right. I don't think we want to see happen. Regardless. Yeah, I mean, I think that's – I'd be fine with Danny Leva not starting again this year. I think I'm more looking at – But long term, yeah. I think what that gives you is it gives you three guys in Nicholas Sodero, DP, 
player X and Christian Roldan that are the spine of your team that you can also it, – it's one of those three positions that Danny Leva is going to end up playing for the rest of his career. He's going to be good in one of either the deepest laying midfielder, the eight, or the ten. So you you have these three sort of role models and positions, like defined positions on the field that you can have Danny Leva play Mm-hmm. And there's not a whole lot of risk involved. And I think that, like, so for instance, Sporting Kansas City isn't the greatest example right now. Um, but I would say over the last two years, what they've done with uh, Busos, mm-hmm. Busios, how do you say his last name? Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. They've, they've had a very, very similar in age and very similar in talent ceiling level player Gianluca Busio yeah Busio uh, as Danny Leva and they've been able to play him when people get hurt and they've also just been able to um, use him interchangeably as a sub on the wing and also as an attacking midfielder he's not quite the same position as Danny Leva but no he's more of an I think a pure attacking option yeah yeah but I see what you're a saying. similar like they have very good players in those positions but are still developing this guy so um i think you look at that um and then maybe even you look at what fc dallas has done with you know they had a dp defensive midfielder with um carlos gruezo who Mm -hmm. they just sold to Mm -hmm. germany but Mm -hmm. they were also bringing through at one point they had jacory hayes coming through at one point they had um brandon Who's this new, new guy who just went to the, the, the U twenty World Cup? Not not, um, Palmkill, but he's a defensive midfielder. Brandon, sir. I'm gonna let you figure that one out. <laughs> Whatever. They have a young defensive midfielder now that they're also bringing through. So, um, basically. I reject the premise of your of your point. Yeah, I mean uh, that. I think you're talking about Brandon Servania. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I that's I think that's fair. That and I and I don't know that it's necessarily the top concern for me as much as I just think that the need to bring in a outside mid, a creative force, a someone who's capable of scoring goals is really the most immediate need. And if the immediate need ends up being here for several years, I mean, they don't have a long-term... It's not like there's this long-term solution waiting at outside mid that just isn't... Yeah. You know, Victor Rodriguez, even if he gets healthy, there's a decent chance he's not he's back. 30, so... Yeah, I mean, there's a decent chance he's not back next year regardless of what happens to him. And so I think if you have a chance to go out and get a 25, 26-year-old attacking option yeah who and if you go out into the market and you spend six seven million dollars i mean that's like what the lafc paid for diego rossi and that's not to say that they didn't yeah like obviously strike gold with that and you can't necessarily assume you're going to get diego rossi every time but he was also 21 years old when they signed him so if you're going to sign if you're going to you know my point is that you can get a lot of quality yeah with that kind of money or even like what skc did with johnny russell um, yeah, Johnny Russell or... You have, you have Portland who signed Blanco and Brian Fernandez who were both ostensibly, yeah, ostensibly right. wingers. Now Fernandez is playing striker. But. Right. I mean, and I guess that's my point is that you can go out and potentially sign a game-changing, like a Raul Rui Diaz-level player. Yeah. And if you can put him in the attacking band, I don't know if that's your perfect balance. Like, I don't know if you want all your your... DPs kind of clustered in three attacking positions. I think the Sounders would probably rather like kind of have it down the spine of the team. Yeah. But I, I, I'm, I just am getting increasingly worried that their ability to score goals is overly reliant on Rui Diaz's finishing ability. Yeah. And, you know, you look at, you know, yeah, they got a goal from Kevin Leardham recently. They got a couple goals from Nicholas Ladero. I still think Jordan Morris has a decent chance at getting to 10 goals. But he's got to start scoring, too. And, I, and I've been really happy with Morris Morris's play overall. But 
I just feel like you need another gold dangerous option. And, you know, yeah, Harry Ship had a goal. And, you know, the Sounders have a pretty decent variety of goal scorers, but they don't have one guy other than Rui Diaz who I think you can just bank on scoring X yeah. number of goals. And I think that that's, you know, when you when push comes to shove, I think that's kind of what you need when you're talking about trying to win an MLS Cup. And Victor Rodriguez, I think... A healthy Victor Rodriguez. He is was that, that player. at the beginning of the season. Yeah, definitely. and I was really happy with like kind of the way this. Like, if you, if you give me this team and you give me a healthy Victor Rodriguez, I think that's really well assembled, and I think that you can go out and get a defensive midfielder or some kind of central midfielder who just like raises your ceiling. Yeah. But without Victor Rodriguez, I'm a little worried. Or without a Victor Rodriguez level player on the on that's able to combine with Nico Ladero, that's also able to get in behind. He does so many things well. Yeah. I, and they don't have that. Like Harry Ship, like mimics some of what Victor Rodriguez does. He's able to combine yeah. with Ladero. He's able to make some of these off-ball runs, but he's not going to get in behind. He's not going to break die, break guys down on the dribble. He's not going to do some of the other things that that Rodriguez does. And by the way, neither one of them are plus defenders, so you're already kind of giving up that two-wayness. Yeah. And if you're going to give up that two-wayness, you need like real plus offense. And I don't know that Harry ship against the best opponents is that player. And, and I think Harry ship can fit into a system. and I think he can do a job for you. But if you're talking about lining up against LAFC in the, in the Western conference finals for a one-off game, I'd feel a lot better about things. If it's the only sounder to ever score at California bank stadium. <laughs> I mean, that's an undeniable fact. Yeah. That is also not proof of anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it's yeah, – I, I guess that's the – that's a conundrum. Um, I feel like that they're pretty well set. Like, you could lose Brad Smith, for instance. Like, if Brad Smith doesn't – if his loan doesn't get extended, I feel pretty confident about the Sounders' depth at left back. I think between Jovan Jones and Nuhu, you're perfectly fine there. I think the Sounders are fine as long as Kelvin Leardham stays healthy at right back. I think they're fine there go through the lineup i think they're fine everywhere but to me the one area that you can upgrade the fastest and get the most kind of like raising your upside at it's that it's that outside mid position well i'm convinced (laughs) that one of us is right no you made me change my mind okay well i well thank you uh now the trick here is of of course i think we both agreed the sounders maybe they don't need to do something like i think they're going to make the playoffs i think that they're going to be competitive but I'm going to be disappointed if they don't make a move in this window. That's what I was just about to ask uh, to kind of close out this segment and before we go to break. Do you, I mean, you kind of already answered my question, but you would be disappointed if I they would didn't be, sign yeah. anybody. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, and I think that what's frustrating about that answer for me is that I think at the end of the last window, if you had asked me that same question, I'd be like, you know, whatever they sign now is, is gravy. Yeah, because I was really happy with the Jovan Jones and Javier Arreo. I thought those were two big additions. And Jovan Jones may, like, I think there's something to be said that he's not really had time to settle in. I think there's something to be said about how we don't really know what we have in Jovan Jones yet. Or even Arriaga. Or or Arriaga. But we know he's at least the future of the position. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think I'm, I'm actually pretty comfortable in thinking that Arriaga, if not, even if not this year, I think that, the position is like he's. I like what I've seen from him Me too. for the most part, um, but you know, Jovan Jones I think was always a nice option under the assumption that Victor Rodriguez was going to be healthy, and the Victor Rodriguez injury thing I think has really just like. And I'm it, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would would tell me, oh, we saw this coming. Victor Rodriguez has had so much stir. And I don't know, maybe I'm just slow on the uptake as far as, like, I was unwilling to write him off as a as an injury liability, but I just feel like it's become undeniable in the last, you know, that he's taken as long as it has to get right from this last hamstring injury, I think has really changed. That's the one thing I think that's really just changed my whole thinking as far as, like, needing to add someone in what position we need to add them at. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Um, so... During the break, we'll we'll call up our buddy Garth and um, get this sort of squared away. Yeah, and um, I appreciate that. Hopefully, come back in the second part of the show with a DP announcement. Um, Perfect. Cool. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Sounder at Heart podcast, uh, the second segment of this show. 
called up our buddy Garth. Um, went straight well, to vo- you guys had a heated conversation. Well, I was going to say we went straight to voicemail, but... Uh, oh. That, yeah. I don't know, which plays better on the radio. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> hoping he texts me back. Straight to voicemail. <laughs> and uh, the heated conversation that Jeremiah heard was... He must have been in a meeting. Was me. Maybe he's on the phone with the, with the new DP. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the Sounders' next performance game match showdown is with the houston dynamo in houston on saturday you're probably listening to this on a friday Uh, maybe you're listening to it on saturday there's like a lot of like people that my understanding is that people as soon as they see this hit their podcast inbox they're boom on it yeah all 10 10 of them well they're very passionate yeah uh cool so uh the Sounders are sort of iffy on the road this season. Would you agree? Uh, iffy is probably being kind. <laughs> they have two wins. Yeah. Uh, one against the Sh- Chicago Fire in March, which was, at the time seemed like a really good win. Yeah, which was a very definitive performance. But I think seemed that way. Anyway. I think the conversation we just had uh, in the first segment tells us that we both think that the team that we have now is not the same team that we had in March. Unfortunately, yeah. And then the and then their second road performance, road win, was against the Columbus Crew, which uh, was a very frustrating game that then saw a 96-minute winner from Nico Ladero off of a long throw. And that happened... Just like you drew it up. ...on July 6th. Uh, so they went basically four months without a road win. Uh, this is this will be the first road game that the Sounders play since their win in Columbus. Yeah, so. I just want to interject an observation. Go ahead. I didn't realize this at the time, but the Sounders, if they hadn't won that game, they would actually have had a worse road record at this point in the season than they had last year. And last year wasn't very good at right. this point in the season. Right. Well, it started getting good right around... Yeah, right but I was just surprised. I was surprised that it was like that. Really, the difference in their performance has been how good they were at home. Yeah, um, the Sounders have been okay at home. Aside, they've been from, great at home, other than last week's game. Yeah, which they, I will die on the hill that they were good enough to win. They were just the ball, the round thing didn't go in the rectangle thing enough times. Yeah, and that happens sometimes. Yeah. So the Houston Dynamo are are a bit of a bogey team, at least when the Sounders are playing in Houston. They're hard, yeah. Um, I know a lot of that had to do with Houston being in the Eastern Conference for about half of Seattle's existence. So they don't have a lot of, what you're saying is they don't have a lot of uh, data. Yeah, but they have now played, um, what is it, I think nine games in Houston? And they're one four and four. That one came last October. Yeah, they're f- the Houston Dynamo were the, and up until the most recent expansion teams, the only team that the Sounders had not beaten on the road. Yeah, uh, although there is a caveat is in in the same, you know, in the same vein that, well, no, not even the same vein. They did. Win two, in a sense, they well, not in a sense, they did win twice in a row in Houston. They've on a two game winning streak in Houston, technically, because yeah. they won the playoff game there, yeah, 2017, yeah, uh, which was a which was assisted by Jaleel Anibaba red card in like the eighth minute or something. That's that's true, yeah, <laughs> a- agent Jaleel, yeah, that's right, I supporter shield were... winning Jaleel Anibaba, yeah, um, which I, had, for, I had forgotten about that detail, uh. Then in the reverse leg in Seattle, they also got another red card with uh, um, Tomas Martinez pushing Jovan Jones' head into the ground. Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Will oh, Bruin scored in that game, didn't he? Yeah. He, uh, Will Bruin had scored a lot of goals against Houston. Yeah, this is like healthy. his favorite team to play against. It's too bad So that it's that a won't. damn shame that he's not going to be here. Um, so with the Sounders' lack of enjoyable performances on the road. Yeah. And this sort of narrative around the Houston Dynamo playing in Houston. Um, I want to ask you this question of, is now the perfect time? Is this the game that the Sounders put in their 
statement performance on the road? Well, I mean, I definitely think it's presenting themselves. It's presenting an opportunity to do something like that. Uh, it's it. There's there's some upside here. Uh, if they win this game, I think that from a holistic standpoint, you could probably look at the two games between last week and this week and say that's a wash because I think you probably assume going in this is a loss. So you kind of want to. I think from that perspective, I don't know that you're going to erase the stink yeah. of losing to Portland. Frankly, again, until you play Portland again, and unless you win MLS Cup, I suppose. I would say even play Portland again at home. Yeah, I mean, like right. the sound, in a way, the Sounders could win the game in Portland, and you'd still be kind of annoyed about this loss. But yeah. I guess that would be a fair trade. Sure. But anyway, they, if they can win this game, I think that, that that answers a lot of the questions. Houston, for all their struggles, and they have struggled. Like they are, they're even worse on the road. Yeah, they're they're very bad on the road. Uh, but they've been they're seven one and three at home. The only loss came to LAFC at home. Yeah, which was like last. 10 and there days was a. Or so. I think there was a red card in that game. Maybe no, no, there was not. They just got played off the park. Okay, well, <laughs> it was the game before they. Played. LAFC will do that to you. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I'd say you win this game. That I think answers a lot of the questions about like, can you win important games on the road? Because I think right now, you look at their road record. And there's a lot more reasons to doubt them than to be confident in their ability to get results away from home. You know, the Minnesota tie ends up looking like a, a really good result, good result at yeah. this point. The union draw? The union draw was a really good result. Like, there's some results that I think you can look at and say, oh, these were, these were good performances. But they were also performances that fit into for the most part, a very specific style. Like, they did not go into those games necessarily all out hoping to win. Although, I guess in the Minnesota game, they they came out and played that one a little bit. But they, you know, Chad Marshall, that was ended up being Chad Marshall's last game, which I think speaks to, like... IP. Yeah, uh, kind of a bummer. But, yeah, it's been... You know, I think this is an important game from a statement because this is the kind of game that if the Sounders are really serious about being able to win important games on the road. This is the kind of game, it, like Houston's in a place that my understanding is Mauro Minotas might not be available in this game because he's... He might be on the way out. He might um, be on the way out, out to Mexico, it looks like. I did the three questions with a Dynamo Theory writer, um, which hopefully will be published by the time you're listening to this, so head on over to sounderatheart.com and read those. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, but it's a good time to play the Dynamo, probably. I, July, I mean, I guess anytime you play in Houston in July, it's not ideal. No. Uh, but this is, you know, the Sounders have a chance to get a result here, maybe even get a win. And I think I would be, frankly, I'd be satisfied with a tie, but I think if they can win this game, that goes a long way towards answering a lot of the concerns that we may, might have over their long-term prognosis. Yeah. Something I'm and I think really... it makes it a little easier also to write off the loss of the Timbers as like a statistical quirk. Yeah. And less of a... Wow, we really struggle against good teams, kind yeah. of narrative. And I'm worried about uh, so August 14th, August 17th, and August 23rd, the Sounders go on the road to Salt Lake, LA Galaxy, and the Portland Timbers. If we don't, if the Sounders don't, at least, I will accept a draw against Houston if it's a situation where it was like the Sounders were obviously the better team. You know, I will accept sort of a finishing drought, you know, over the last couple of weeks. I don't want to go into that road trip not having a performance or having the performance, the road performance to look back on be the Chicago Fire game in the end of March. Yeah. So, like, I think it's super important for the team to to win this game against Houston because... One, the, those three games, uh, maybe not so much the RSL one, but definitely against the Galaxy and against the Timbers will be the, the Timbers will be a playoff team by that time. I know they're not a playoff team yet. I know that that's sort of been the, the fallback to the rivalry bances, <laughs> uh, re- replies with the playoff line and Portland Timbers being below that, but Sounders fans should know <laughs> that over the last several years, that doesn't really mean anything in July. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Breaking all, about the standings yeah. in July, uh, are, 
is a rather silly thing, and we've been on both sides. Uh, we've mostly been on the other side of that. Yeah. But, so uh, don't do that. Yeah. Don't don't. I've do seen that. that a lot, and it's always been kind of like, do we all have short term memory loss? Like, yeah. what's going on there? Anyways, so I really, I really need a very strong performance against the Houston Dynamo, and I think that they're there for the taking. I think that the the Dynamo are very good at home. Um, but I doubt Minotas is going to be playing. I doubt uh, – so what they – they used the Weeks Cup to, to shift at least towards the middle. He didn't look super good at striker. He's, he's much better coming off of the wing. And that's sort of their long-term replacement plan for Minotas is to play at least through the middle. But they also might sell him later in the summer. You know, they just got waxed by LAFC and um, – by Atlanta, who are teams that I want the Sounders to be in that same conversation with. Maybe not so much LAFC because they're sort of in a tier of their own. But I digress. I need the Sounders to have a very strong performance against Houston. And I'm not going to say it's a must-win game because I don't think it is. It's not a uh, yeah. I would yeah. I would say I agree but, with you there. It's it's not a must-win game, but I would say that they are a team. This is a a game that the Sounders need. If for no, I mean, you look at their schedule coming up. They have Sporting Kansas State at home. That should be should be a win. Who knows, right? But then after that, it gets you know New England, who is like the hottest team in the league right now, is after that, and then they're on the road against RSL. They haven't dropped or they haven't uh, lost since like April or something. Yeah, Arena has them playing really well. Uh, then they're at the Galaxy. Then they are at Portland. The three road games, which I think, if they get any points from those games, I think they have to be kind of happy but that that's yeah. it so and then they're at home against the galaxy i mean that's that's a tough run you know yeah. that's that's a you know they, they there's not a lot of easy points on the table for them right now and certainly not in the immediate run-up and so they need to you know and i think if they don't win this game that also kind of sets your expectations back for like well can they can they go to portland and get points can they go to la and get points yeah can you know can they go to like RSL again? Another team who you say tied with Houston on points right now, right? But they're much better at home than they are on the road. Yeah. So, yeah, you just got to look at where you can get points, and this is a game where I think the Sounders need to look at as look. If if we're talking about the team as an MLS Cup contender, they need to win this. Game. They need to win this game, or they they need point. They need to play well. Yeah, that like there needs to be like I said, kind of the, the preface to my to my plea <laughs> was. I will accept a draw in circumstances where it's, just, cl- it's clear well. that the Sounders were the better team and it just didn't right. go the way that yeah. it needed to go. I will accept that. But I need, I, need, I need that performance. I can't have... And quite frankly, even if they win in a similar fashion that they beat Columbus, I will be disappointed. That So... Or not? I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends I'm on who. Speaking in very it, it, harsh it, terms. Yeah, I understand that. But like, if they, I guess it depends on who they have available. If if they, if they are able to roll out a plausibly first team against Houston, like we've heard rumblings that Rui Diaz may be dealing with some sort of injury. Sure, we've heard that like Torres didn't train yesterday, so we don't know what's going on there. So there's reason, like we don't know exactly. But if they go into this team with a plausibly first choice group, and they are struggling to hold on to the ball and they're in a defensive shell and they pull out the points, that's going to be disappointing. I agree. Yeah. I, I get like, I'm, I think I'm reasonable and there are so many different wild circumstances that can happen in this game. So I'm not going to be one of those people that are saying like, like uh, giving these harsh ultimatums, but I don't think I'm being unreasonable in saying like I really want the Sounders to put on a strong road performance in Houston because because of the schedule that they have. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, how do you think that they do that? <laughs> you know, I, I guess that's a that's a really good question, and I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I think that they can play their game. Like, if they have, there's no reason. Like, I've one of the things that's been frustrating over the last couple of years is the Sounders don't seem to play their game when they're away from Central League Field. And I don't quite 
understand why that is, and I don't quite understand what if that's a mentality thing, if that's a tactics thing. But there's no reason that their, their style of soccer shouldn't convert to the road. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're playing some game that's dependent on a weird field. Uh, CenturyLink field, aside from having field turf, which I don't think that they have a game that's designed for field turf. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing about that that speak that says like, oh, well, yeah, these are gonna you're gonna be a much better home team than you are a road team because this is where you have this inherent advantage here. And you look at like during the Siggy Schmidt era, for the most part, they were a really good road team. And, and in 2017, they were a pretty decent road team. Last year, they were not as good of a road team. And this year, they've not as been, been as good of a road team. But even, you know, even when they've gotten results, it's not necessarily by playing really progressive soccer. It's oftentimes by, you know, packing it in and looking for opportunities. And that's been kind of disappointing uh and so my hope is that they just play their game like they Mm -hmm. possess the ball that they press that they you know that they get out on they they look for for counter opportunities when when they're there and you know we'll see if that actually comes to fruition but that's you know that's the thing you know early last year I, i identified an issue that i don't know that ever got fully addressed but it was an extreme example where they just weren't even engaging in as many duels as they were you know it was like you you don't even look at how many they win versus how many they lose it was just like the total number of duels when they were on the road was like half of what it was when they were at home and to me that's just like an aggressiveness issue yeah um i think that i think that houston has some um some weaknesses that i think seattle can exploit um i don't think they have a very aggressive midfield and teams that have done well against the Sounders. Like I thought that the I thought Portland's midfield was very aggressive. Obviously it is because Diego Char is playing, but even the, even the bit parts are, and even um, Blanco and, and Valeri tracking back um, caused some, caused some problems for the Sounders midfield. I, I would probably say that their best midfielder, you know, defensive midfielder is a 34-year-old Boniac Garcia, which, you know, is tough. They've, yeah, they've brought tough. in, you know, they've tried to bring in some some players that could play there long-term. Like they have this player, Matias Vera, Vera, who, you know, was kind of supposed to be that, that long-term fill at defensive midfielder, and he hasn't been very good for them, even though he's played 1,700 minutes. So, um I'm hoping Nico Odero can find a lot of joy there. I would also be um I'd also really want to see Jordan Morris on the left because they've been playing AJ Delagarza at right back. They just signed a um Chilean Tam player for right back, but I don't know if he'll be ready for this one yet. And Delagarza is just not very good anymore. <laughs> Um, he was part of one of the best defenses I've ever seen with um, Omar Gonzalez in LA Galaxy, but it's not the case anymore. Um, so maybe not necessarily the whole game at the left, but they have been doing a lot of, lot yeah. of switching. So. I mean, I would say that until you have another kind of attacking piece that can play yeah. on the left, that you're maybe better off with with Morris there, especially like, Ship, I would assume, can be can do his same kind of effectiveness on the right. That he's, I would hope so, but we haven't seen it yet. So no, I think if you can put Morris into a position to be more goal dangerous, and you could do that by putting him on the left. Like I know, I think I understand where the Sounders are coming from by putting Morris on the right, which was to kind of de-emphasize the importance of just goal scoring. Yeah, and that. They wanted him to use his speed in ways that were, that was, that put other but put defenses off more than just as a goal scoring threat. And I think mm. he's done that in a lot of ways. He's his crossing has improved a lot this year. Yeah, he's, been, he's much more of a a winger. Yeah, he's much more of a winger. His defensive presence, I think, has been better. Uh, but he hasn't been real goal dangerous, and I and I think that the Sounders right now need that danger. Yeah. And I think that 
if I'm all, I'm almost certain Minotis won't play. Um, maybe this may this maybe is farewell game. I don't know, but um, the, the people that follow the Houston Dynamo that I talk to tell me he probably won't play, and that means Elise will be through the middle, which I feel so much more comfortable with than him out wide because he would be on Brad Smith's side, and Brad Smith likes to push up. Although in the home game, Brad Smith that was probably his best defensive performance as a Sounder. All that to say. I think that this game, this matchup, I've talked myself into being a being there for the taking, being there for that performance. Whether that whether or not that that happens, again, there's so many different things, so many different circumstances that can happen in this game. It, it's there, and I would like to see the Sounders take advantage of that. Well, that's a good place to end that. Yeah, I guess so. Huh? You have yeah. any, any final thoughts? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that we're at an interesting point in the season. And I think that, you know, whatever happens in this game, I suppose the Sounders can always turn things around. But I do think that this, in a way, this game is a statement of the current state of the team. Yeah. And that it's if they can't win this game, I think that's even more evidence that they absolutely need to make a big move yeah in this window and if they get a result maybe it's not quite as imperative but you know we'll see i i think this team is still i'm still confident that the team has is is kind of where they need to be but they need to start showing it and yeah. i and it's now been you know i think the atlanta game was a step forward i think in some ways the portland game was even a step forward but they got to be able to do it on the road too yeah. and i think that's you know, one way or another, they're they're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna win the Western Conference. I don't think that's going on. In the I mean, if they do, they win the Shield. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's a big deal. But I <laughs> I, I I mean one way that this team has to has to if they if they have designs on winning MLS Cup, they got to win road games. Yeah. Um, and there's no better time than now to win a road game. My grandma always used to say that. It's an old saying. Uh, people forget that. In a lot of ways. We went into that Atlanta game basically asking the question, are the Sounders any good? I think we came out of that game saying, yeah, probably. In a lot of ways, I think this is the part two. The follow-up question is this road game against Houston. Um, I've been wrong before. I will be wrong again. Hopefully I'm not wrong now, but I think the Sounders are going to win this game. I like Um, your confidence. And a lot of... I'm not going to say a lot of my mental health relies on that because I don't I don't uh, look at soccer that way. But um, I would really like to see that happen. So um, unless you have anything else to say, I think we're done. That sounds like good to me. Cool. So uh, you've been listening to the Sound at Heart podcast. Thanks for getting to the very end. And uh, hopefully you enjoy Seafair weekend, the Seafair parade. Is that this weekend? Yep. Wow. So it's the same time as the Sounders game. So, oh. um, anyways, uh, enjoy your weekend Good in Seattle, Seattle in Houston, and uh, wherever else you are listening to this podcast. Thanks. I've been Mark. That's been Jeremiah. See ya. Bye.